Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Pastor Steve started this uh, last year. He called it Generals, and this one is Generals 2. I said that's, that Generals is Pastor Steve's euphemism for these guys are really old. So uh, that's really what he's trying to say, but, uh, but we understand. Amen? I want to talk to you this morning about fix it, Daddy. Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 simply says, Is not this the carpenter's son? Mark chapter 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter? Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the brightness of his glory the expressed image of his person. Vernacularly, we would say he's the spitting image of his dad. And then in John chapter 20 and verse 30 it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. What did he mean? Everything John had written before this verse. Not everything that Jesus did was written or recorded in this book. But these things are written, why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Father, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Fix it, Daddy. It starts with small things. A little car with a broken wheel, a doll with a missing arm, a skinned knee or a sticker in her hand that needs more than alcohol and a bandage, but a tender touch of comfort and someone to kiss away the pain. Maybe it's a baseball glove with a broken web that requires someone to relace it, a flat on a bicycle, a game that needs a battery, a Christmas toy that needs to be assembled or has a missing part. And all of a sudden, your child comes to you. And he looks up into your face and you can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in their voice. It is that plaintive cry. It's a question. It's an expectation. It's an exclamation or maybe it's all three. And they simply say, fix it, Daddy. And we can. With nothing more than a screw or a new battery or a little band-aid or a piece of duct tape or a dab of super glue. With something as simple as a tender touch, a prayer. Something as simple as a lifesaver. You remember the old commercial where the boy messes up in the game and after the game he's walking with his dad and his dad has his arm around him he is so dejected and the father unwraps a lifesaver and says eat one it'll make you feel better 
And as he does, he says, but dad, I failed so miserably. And his father said, yes, son, I understand. One time I messed up so bad and lost the game. I ate the whole roll with something as simple as a touch, simple as a prayer. It's done. Fixed. Daddy fixed it. And all of a sudden you feel absolutely invincible. Whatever is broken, whatever is shattered, whatever goes wrong, Daddy can fix it because you hear it in their voice when they turn to another child and say, My Daddy can fix anything. And then they grow up and the brokenness becomes greater and the fixes get harder. A BB gun trusted with the child and he shoots out the neighbor's plate glass door. Don't tell Steve I told you that. The car that won't run, the spark plugs are failed, the computer that crashes, you've got a date and no money. And all of a sudden they come with that same look and that same plaintive cry in their voice. Fix it, Daddy. And we can. It, it, it takes more. A new set of park, spark plugs, 40 bucks for a date, a new hard drive. Sometimes a gentle touch or a strong hand. Sometimes words of comfort and understanding and forgiveness or corrective love. But it's that right word spoken at the right moment and Daddy can fix it. It's thrilling, that feeling of invincibility. If it's broken, I can fix it. I can correct it. I can make it right. And then there comes that awful day, that awful moment, when they come to you and the brokenness is too great. And the shattered relation is too far gone. Their hearts are broken. Their relationship is severed. Their spirit is shattered. Their courage is crumbled. Defeat has happened. Addictions bind. Chinful choices require payment. And the child comes to you again with the same tear in the eye and the same tremble in the voice. And they look up in your eyes and say, Fix it, Daddy. And we can't. Oh, how we want to. But it's beyond our ability. It's beyond our resources. It's beyond the words of wisdom. It's, it's beyond our touch of love. We can hold them, kiss them, cry with them, pray with them. But we can't mend it. Daddy can't fix it. Our invincibility is shattered. And we realize we live in a sin-shattered world where brokenness abounds and we can't fix it. But what I want you to remember this morning is this happened before. Scripture records it. The Bible simply says that the world was without form and, and void and darkness is upon the face of the deep and all of a sudden our Father God speaks into that darkness and out of the chaos there comes cosmos, the world. 
and not only creation, but he created man in his own image and gave man that thirst and that hunger for God. And he places man in that garden enclosure so that they can live not only with God, but with one another in perfect communion. God created them. The Father brought them into existence. And the Bible says they were naked, transparent, absolutely uncovered, able to live in the presence of one another and in the presence of God without any covering whatsoever in innocency. And God said, it's very good. And then out of the cosmos, there comes chaos. And Satan uses the subtleness of the serpent to question the goodness of God. And he brings temptation to the woman and says this fruit is, is pleasant to the eyes. It would be pleasurable for you. It would be great to the taste. And most of all, it would make you just like God. And you alone could choose what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. You'd be your own God. And the sin of selfishness comes rushing in to God's creation. And Adam, though he wasn't tempted, he saw the nakedness of Eve and decided to betray his own creator, to disobey God because of one man's sin, uh, one man's disobedience or failure to hear or heed. Sin came into the world, and because of sin, death, and death there means separation came. Not only guilt and fear and the shame of their actions, but the Bible said they knew they were naked, open, vulnerable, transparent. They were no longer in fellowship with God. And now they could no longer be in fellowship with one another. Because what sin did is cause the man to look upon the nakedness of the woman and say, I can't trust you with my nakedness. You've made a selfish choice. And if I trust you with my nakedness, you would use it for your own selfish desire and your own selfish pleasure and satisfaction. I can't trust you anymore. Because you're selfish. I saw it. And she looks at him and says, and I can't trust you with my nakedness. Because if you betray God, you will also betray me. And if I trusted you with my openness and my vulnerability, you would betray it. I can't trust you. And we certainly can't be seen by God because he would know that we're selfish and sinful. And so we can fix it. We can hide from God. But you can't hide from the Father. And the Lord knows where you are, and he says, Adam, where are you? And if we can't hide from God, we can fix it externally. We will sew together fig leaves and we will cover the nakedness of our selfishness and our sinfulness. And the Lord says, it won't work. Who told you you were naked? And in that scene of chaos, the son comes to the father. And with a tremble in his voice and a tear in his eyes, he looks into the eyes of his heavenly Father and he says, Fix it, Daddy. Fix it. Make it right. And the Father looks at the Son and says, I can't permanently. I can do something temporarily. I can kill these animals, vicarious suffering. 
And through the death and the shedding of that blood, I can make clothes that will cover them temporarily. But I can't fix it. Do you understand why we wear clothes? Whether they come from Goodwill or Saks Fifth Avenue or Abercrombie and Fitch or wherever you buy yours. You know what they say? They are supposed to remind us that we are broken, that we are selfish, that we are sinners, that we are betrayers, that we can't trust one another with our transparency and our nakedness and our openness because you would use it for your own selfish desires and I would betray your openness. They're to remind us that we're broken. Amen. And the Father says, I can fix it temporarily but I can't fix it permanently. But one day, you, son, will be just like me. And what I can't fix, you will. And the Bible says, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as of sons, that Jesus was the brightness of His glory and the expressed image of His Father. He is the spitting image of the Father. Oh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled with us, moved into our neighborhood, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. He said, this is my son. This day have I begotten him or revealed him. In other words, he's come to show you the Father. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen my Father. My Father and I are one. No man comes to God except through the Father. No man has seen God at any time. But the Son who comes out of the bosom of the Father, who comes from the heart of God, He has revealed Him and made Him known. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the totality of God's alphabet. And when the Father wants to fix it, He sent His Son. So the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. And he said, I've come for a purpose. In Luke chapter 4, he said, I've come to bind up the brokenness. I've come to fix and to free your heart. And they said of him, this is the carpenter. He is the carpenter's son. And what his creator father started, he came to fix. He is the son of the father. He is the fixer and the restorer of everything that was shattered and broken. And you know what he fixes? He fixes our separation from God. For the Bible says God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself that he took within his own flesh and broke down that middle wall of partition that separated us from the covenant blessings of God. And we were Gentiles carried about with dumb idols. We were far off, but God has made us nigh. How? Through his Son. He has consecrated for us a new and a living way through the veil, that is through the rending of his flesh, so that at Calvary, when he said it is finished and paid in full, the veil in the temple that had separated man from God, that had said to man, God is holy and separate and you're broken and you need to be fixed and you have no accessibility into the presence of God. It was ripped from the top and the bottom so that we could come boldly before the throne of grace 
so that he would fix our separation. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. We have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. He is the high priest over the household of God. And the word priest means pontifex or bridge builder. It means he has the ability to reach one hand up to God and to stand in the middle and reach his other hand down to us who was broken and shattered and need to be fixed and bring us together again to heal and to fix our separation from God. He became sin. He made himself of no reputation, became flesh, and became sin for us, the sinning one, to bring us back to God. He came to fix our separation from God. And not only that, he came to fix our sins. Hallelujah. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And the Bible says there he is. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Bible declares he is the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? He is the sin bearer. He is the Lamb of God. He is the one that dies. But he's also that scapegoat on the day of atonement that carries our sins out to the wilderness of forgetfulness. He is the one that turns aside the wrath of God because the Bible said the wrath of God was abiding upon the sinner but he is the propitiation he is the one that took my sins in his own flesh to nail them to his own cross when he had by himself purged us from our sins he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high he fixes our sins we're redeemed not by corruptible things but by the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God without spot and blemish not by the vain conversation and the traditions of our natural fathers but He came from our Heavenly Father and He is the fixer so only He can shout it from the cross it is paid in full it is finished the wage of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord he is the carpenter's son he came to fix not only our separation from God he came to fix our sins his name was John Griffith he grew up in Oklahoma in the depression had a dream to travel and to visit exotic places and the Dust Bowl days changed that and he moved to Mississippi and got a job on the Mississippi River to work a drawbridge over the Mississippi and he would open the bridge and sit on the rail and see the ships travel down the Mississippi and dream of all the places he wanted to go and had a boy that was eight years old and one day brings him to work with him and just before lunch he raises the drawbridge up and down the river to make sure no things in the way drawbridge risen he and the boy goes down close to the water sits on the edge of the bridge and eats their lunch and he points out the ships and tells the son where they're going and all the exotic places and all of a sudden he hears a whistle and he looks at his watch and they've tarried too long and the Memphis Express is coming to cross the bridge 400 passengers on that train he looks at his watch no no problem says to his son sit right here I'll be right back ascends a control tower looks up and down the river up and down ready to push the lever to lower the bridge so the train can pass and when he looks down his son trying to follow him has slipped and he's fallen into the gears that operate the bridge and his leg is caught and immediately John's mind begins to race and, and he thinks I, there's a piece of rope here I can, I can leave the control tower and I can go to where he is and I can tie myself off and free him from the gears and even as he's thinking it he knows there's not time if I save my son 
400 people on that train will plunge into the river. And he grips the handle that moves those hydraulic gears. And with tears in his eye and a scream in his voice, he pushes the lever. And the bridge grinds down. And just as it hits, the Memphis Flyer goes across. And he's in that glass control booth. And he's watching the train pass crying and screaming in the agony the loss of his own son and he looks at the people as they're on the train and they're eating their lunch and reading the paper and he begins to pound the window and says don't you care don't you understand what this cost the father did because he loved you so much he fixed your sin and the only way that he could do it was for Jesus to come and become sin for us. He came not only to fix our separation and our sin, but he came to fix our situations. That's what John says. He says, not everything that Jesus did is recorded in this book. But I wrote these things in particular to show you something. To make you believe that if Jesus can fix these situations, then he is the son of the Father. He is the carpenter's son. He is the fixer of everything. And if he is the fixer of everything, that makes him the son of God. And if you believe that, you'll have life in his name. And so what John wrote, and I'll quickly go through it, but he said you can be broken socially. Wedding feast of Cana of Galilee. Joy is turned to sadness, but Jesus is there to fix that situation and turn the ordinary water into wine and to save the best for the last. And if he can fix something socially, he's the son of the Father. And he can fix those that are broken spiritually because even if you're a religious leader and your religion is a weight that weights you down instead of wings that lifts you into the presence of God, if he can fix you religiously, you must be born again, he says. You must be born anew. And if he can fix you spiritually, that makes him the son of God, the son of the Father. If he can fix your spiritual choices like the lady at Samaria, five failures and a fraud, but she says, come meet a man. He's offered me water that doesn't come from a natural well. And he said, this well of water would spring up unto everlasting life. And if he can fix me spiritually, he's the carpenter's son. He can fix your sicknesses, whether it's the noble man's son or the man that was born blind or the man that was impotent and, and without strength. But if he can say, rise up and walk, and you can take up your bed and walk and be healed from your sickness, he's the fixer. He's the son of the Father. If he can fix your broken supply with five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 men plus women and children, that makes him the fixer. If he can fix you from the brokenness of your storm, separated from the safety of the shore, and he simply says, Peace, be still, be of good cheer at his eye. Be not afraid. He's a fixer. If he can heal you from the brokenness of your sin, when there's no place to hide, and he can look at you and say, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. If he can heal you from the brokenness of the sorrow of death and say, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that liveth and believeth me shall never die, believe you this. If he can heal you from your selfish decisions and your shattered faith and have bread and fish on the fire and say, come and dine, he heals our situations. And if he fixes our situations, that means he is the son of the father. He is the carpenter's son. He is the daddy who fixes it.
but he not only fixes our situation he's one day going to fix our sin scarred earth the Bible says unto those that look for him he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation no more sacrifice no more suffering no more cross this time he comes to wear the crown and the Bible says then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and he himself will rule and reign for a thousand years and Paul says in Romans all creation groans waiting for the day when the sons of God will be revealed for creation itself will be fixed and all the former things will pass away and there'll be no more sin and no more sorrow and no more death and no more tears and no more curse and he's going to make all things anew because he's the fixer oh we've all been there the situation is beyond our resources we hear the plaintive cry we see the tear in their eye we hear the cry fix it daddy and we want to But I submit to you there is a fixer. He is the brightness of God's glory and the expressed image of his person. And he's come to fix you so that you're no longer separated from God. You're no longer bound in your sin. You're no longer bound by your situations. In Florence, Italy, there was a huge, giant slab of marble, extended high weight hundreds of tons and an artist tried to create from it and he simply marred it and for hundreds of years it sat in that same place overgrown with grass and weeds and the people in Florence called it the giant unfixable until in 1505 AD there came a new artist a young man and it took him three years but he began to fix and to work on that piece of marble and when he got through it was 19 feet high and it weighed 9 tons and Michelangelo just called it the David and he took what was broken and marred and he fixed it and what I've come to tell you this morning on Father's Day is that when we can't fix the situations he can when my daddy has abandoned me he will never leave me nor forsake me when my daddy is abusive he is not he says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest those that come unto me I will in no wise cast out cast all your cares upon me because I care for you when my earthly father is inaccessible and emotionally detached he says come boldly I'm the fixer in me you'll find mercy and grace to help in the time of need and no matter where you're shattered or broken he's the fixer so you know what that means I'm redeemed I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus old things have passed away sin is gone situations that were broken have been fixed because my daddy fixed it and I can sing this song I am redeemed Stand with me.
I don't want to close like this. Fix it, Daddy. Haven't you been there? Separation, sin, situations. And we think Jesus is standing here with his hat in his hands, head bowed and waiting for you to choose. That's not who he is. He's the son of his father. Jesus is standing here saying, Son, child, there's a table spread. I fixed it. I've come that you might have life and that more abundant and everlasting and I'm waiting for you to come and dine with what I provided for you. And there may be somebody here right now that needs to be fixed. You feel that nakedness, that loneliness, that separation, that sin but he's the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person. He's the carpenter's son. He's the son of God and he's fixed it. And he's offering you life. And while every head's bowed for just a moment, you just slip up your hand and say, Brother Bob, I, I need to be fixed. I need to be redeemed. I need to be changed. I need this newness that the Father sent his son to prepare for me. I want to be changed. I want my sin fixed. I want my situation fixed. I want to be healed. I want to be new. Touched by the Master's hand. 
Daddy can fix it. I can't. But Daddy can. And He's our everlasting Father. And you'd say, by an upper hand, would you just pray for me? I need to be fixed. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. It's a sin, a separation, a situation. I need to be fixed. Fix it, Daddy. Thank you, Father. Because on this Father's Day, we can say, Our Father which art in heaven. That Father so loved the world that you gave that we would be fixed, changed, redeemed. And if there's one here that has never experienced what you provided, that eternal fix, help them to come and dine this morning and to receive life at your hands. Bless our fathers, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Fathers, when you go out, the ushers are going to give you a handout. It really goes with the second message, but I wanted you to have a copy of it too. It simply says, 10 things that wives want their husbands to say to them. And the second one, the Bible tells you to to train up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and not to treat them harshly or provoke them to wrath. And the second sheet is about seven ways that you can not provoke your kids. And I hope that will be a blessing to you. God bless you this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.